Hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller and I am in the Catford Bridge Tavern this week in Catford, which um, used to be a sort of pub that was full of all sorts of dodgy characters and now very much feels like the sort of place that uh, Kirsty and Phil would sit and have a pint with their guests on their location, location, location. We are outside on the beer garden, such as it is, and I am joined again by John Walker, political editor for the Birmingham Mail. Hello. Hello. Um, also back this week is former Lib Dem spin doctor turned newspaper digital supremo. That's pretty about right, you know? Yeah, I'll tell you that. Matt Withers. You were in Norwich last week, you are in Catford this week. What glamorous life you lead. I've been all over the place. I was in Scotland over the weekend, Cardiff the weekend before that. Oh, and I'm going spot. to Stevenage tomorrow. Oh, and then Monaco after that, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, there's only, um, only one place to start this week. That is the awful terror attack in Manchester, um, which was... Uh, well, there aren't really words for how utterly horrific it was. Um, i probably speak for everyone in saying that our thoughts have been, and remain with, uh, those affected. Um, however, uh, we are none of us experts in terrorism or security, so I'm not sure we can uh, add a huge amount to the speeds of words that have been written and broadcast over the last few days. Um, we do know a bit about politics, so we'll, we'll try and stick to that. Um, the campaigns were suspended after uh, the attack on Monday night. Uh, it looks like they'll be back in certainly in full swing by Friday, um, started up again on Thursday in a, a low-key sort of way. Does that feel about right that we get campaigning again in the next day or two? It does feel right. It was right that campaigning stopped. I think people would have expected that. Um, Tomorrow, uh, actually, UKIP are going to sort of break the truce and start campaigning properly um, a bit early earlier than the other parties because they want to launch their manifesto tomorrow. Which is fair enough, isn't it? I mean, in the sense that people need to have long enough to to have a good look at people's manifestos. So I get it feels slightly awkward but I can see where they're coming from and UKIP are at a disadvantage because the other parties have already published their manifestos so it's not easier for them to say they're going to stop campaigning but um, I think it is about time not the the SMP not the SMP I think it's about time the campaign got started again you know this shouldn't stop us exercising our democracy it shouldn't stop us having elections we should pause but we should carry on Um, different mood to the campaign after this do you think Um, I think you'll focus on some different issues. I, I suspect that the mood won't be that different in terms of how it's conducted. I agree. I think it's been right to have a couple of days grace. I just don't think it would have sat right with a lot of people to be um, knocking doors, giving interviews on, on different issues um, to radio when there were some people who had not had uh, deaths of family members and loved ones confirmed. Um, but over the next couple of days, I, I don't kind of buy this rhetoric that by not getting back into the campaign, the terrorists have won, because I don't I, I, I don't think that's relevant at all. But I, I do think now it, it's time to start questioning people again. And inevitably, there'll be a lot of questions about security, which has been on the back burner. Uh, I mean, that all said, if you've been on social media past couple of days, politics has not gone away at all. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot... <laughs> I have been struck by the commentators who have said all along, well, this election is a waste of time. We all know who's going to win. Uh, it's really boring and rubbish and then gone we need to get back to it as soon as possible well if it's boring and irrelevant then what's, it, what's the hurry then you know leave it a bit longer but um, yeah it feels like um, a I think, respectful amount of time has passed I think there is a point which people are reluctant to mention because it's um, seen to be in such bad taste in a way but I think some people in the Labour Party particularly uh, believe that what's happened will help 
Theresa May because um, she's standing as a, as a strong and stable candidate and uh, Jeremy Corbyn is seen as being a bit weak on defence and perhaps even weak on um, terrorism. And uh, although nobody wants to talk about it, I, I just have spoken about it, um, this may help the Tories. There is a counter-argument that's going to help Labour because um, the Tories won't want to attack Corbyn on his record on security and uh, his views on the IRA because it looks like they're trying to capitalise on something utterly horrific. Yeah, but they don't need to attack him really. I mean, maybe they had things planned, lined up for the very end of the campaign, which Shadow will feel unable to use, but um, the idea that he's soft on terror and soft on defence is really out there. And you know what, they could still leak stuff to the Sunday papers. Yes, and uh, they might well do so. Um, you mentioned the Tories. Of course, before it happened, the big story was Theresa May's interview with Andrew Neil. Was it a car crash of an interview? Um, I thought it was embarrassing. I, I genuinely did, because the big thing that she has been trying to sell is her competence. Um, and a, a confident, confident leader, knowing the kind of interview that Neil gives, would have gone in there completely chilled up and ready for everything. Um, I know some people have on her side have admired her boycott style kind of nudging and nerdling at this but I think for the average viewer and for a lot of people this might be the, the only time um, that they've ever seen her interview people who don't watch the, the, the Sunday uh, weekend programming um, would have just noticed somebody who wasn't prepared to engage with a single question that she was given to over 30 minutes she'd obviously been given her five lines that she was going to give regardless of what the questions were um, and I mean, it was it was one of those that if it was a boxing match, at some point the, the referee would have stopped it. No, I I would dispute that. Here's the counter argument again. <laughs> um, she did enough. She did what she had to do to get through. It was like a team, you know, winning one nil, or you know, a team that could play really well but didn't need to. All she had to do was get out alive. A bit like the one show interview. I mean, actually quite different to the one show interview in terms of style yeah. and content which, which is why I say it's the only it's the only political interview that people uh, would have would have seen again because <laughs> but the, the aim was still get out alive yeah she I mean did. she well she avoided any gaps yeah but uh, but you know for the expense of a lot of people have seen that and thought here is somebody who has just said absolutely nothing for 30 minutes did not tell she hasn't told me why she wants to be prime minister she's not told me how she's going to improve my life my family's life um, she's just repeated these cliches which even she must now know have gone beyond parody yeah um for half an hour and it was a it was a God, it was just an awful half hour of tv but it's out of the way and of course the other four leaders nuttall farron sturgeon and corbyn still have their ordeal at the hands of andrew neil to come um are you looking forward to them, John? You think well, I'm looking forward to them. I'm particularly looking forward to seeing um, Jeremy Corbyn's interview. In a funny way, Corbyn is sometimes criticised for being a bad communicator, but he's in a way quite good at these interviews because he just doesn't care. It's just water over duck's back, and um, he won't get rattled. He just repeats his line. Oh, he can get rattled. Well, he gets angry. He gets angry. And yeah, Techie, Techie is a word. He doesn't. He, there's never any doubt about him. He's always convinced that he, he's yes. right. There's no sense of sort of fragility to yes. him. But he can also look quite bad. I saw the ITV interview with him, such as it was, and he he comes across sometimes as confused as to why anybody's asking him questions. Yes. So why, why don't you understand that peace is good? Is sort of his, uh, uh, you know, his stick. Like, yeah. Is that going to play well? Andrew well, going to tear that apart. plays well with his supporters because they um, agree with him. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's a view that... Um, 
there's almost an objection to people asking him um, difficult questions. But now I'm looking forward to uh, the Andrew uh, Neil interview with Corbyn. And Andrew Neil is, is a brilliant interviewer. Um, people often assume that he's maybe a bit of a conservative himself, and perhaps he is. But whoever he's up against, he will give them a hard time, and he he doesn't give up. He pushes, and that's really good fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and the other big TV event before uh, Theresa May's interview was the big debate last week. Ooh. This was the Lib Dems big moment, right? Because Tim Farron was the only person on the panel that anybody had really heard of, right? Well, all, all I remember from that debate, to be briefly honest, is uh, poor Paul Nuttall. Uh, poor old Paul Nuttall. Poor old Paul Nuttall. He's a nice guy. Paul Nuttall's with his UKIPs. He's a nice guy. I met him uh, fairly recently. He um, is a nice guy, that is true. I, well, he's not, I mean, because he's a bit of a fascist. But apart <laughs> from that... He's completely... If you're going to have a... Uh, let's call him a sort of an anti-immigration right winger let's say um, if you're going to have such a person you wanted to be Paul Nuttall because he's completely hopeless and uh, he was completely hopeless in, in this interview he kept on getting um, somebody's name wrong I can't remember his oh, name no, he got wrong now <laughs> <laughs> it was Leanne Woods Leanne Leanne Wood. kept calling Natalie now is that because Natalie. he thought it was uh, Natalie the leader of Bennett. the region Natalie Bennett oh this is terrible we're offended as bad as Paul Nuttall I can't remember the name or was it because he thought she was Natalie Wood, the tragic actress out of West Side Story? I assumed he was getting her confused with Natalie Bennett. Um, but you know what, James, I, I've cleverly sidestepped your question, which was about Tim Fan, because for the life of me, I cannot remember what he said. Well, I'll tell you what he said. He said at the end, he looked down the camera and he said, I believe in an open, tolerant Britain. I think it still exists, so vote for me and bring it back. And I thought that was really nice. Would you have been happy with that? As a, if you were in the spin room in your days as a Lib Dem spinner, Matt, would you be going, yes, Tim, go on? Well, firstly, I should say I didn't see it. Um, because, I, because I... Because you were in one of your glamorous locations. I, I genuinely... Um, I don't know what the point of it was. I, once the only two viable people to be Prime Minister decided they weren't going to take part, then realistically, ITV should have done when we did our best. But we're not going to give two hours of our midweek primetime audience over to a debate between, between people that most of our audience are completely unaware of. On the, on the point that Tim Farron made, yeah, I mean, I think, that, I think that is, it's his pitch, it's what he's got. Unfortunately for him, it doesn't capture the mood of politics in Britain at the moment, and it doesn't seem to be gaining the traction that a lot of us would have expected it to get post-referendum. Um, but that is that is what he's got, you know. I mean, uh, the leader of the SNP Pride Company could have that, but they obviously they're not pitching to the entire UK. Yeah. Um, I just wonder for Tim Farron for Lib Dems just how much traction that that message has got. Well, according to the polls, yeah, not a lot. He's, um, how bad's it going to be for your former chums? They're talking about white back. You you said last week when I was. Um, um, elsewhere, that you were had or were thinking of putting a pound on the men that with fewer seats than yeah. current. At the start of the campaign, I said it could be anywhere between seven and seventeen seats. Um, I would expect it to be at the lower end of that now. Um, I, there's still there's still areas where I could see them picking seats up. Um, South London. There's an obvious couple. Um, I was down in in uh, Cardiff about a week and a half ago, and I could see I could see Cardiff Central going with them again. Um, I mean, one or two of those, but really, I think this is going to be about defending what they've got. 
I hadn't thought about Simon Hughes. You see, I did suggest in the week that it would be a good sitcom to have Alistair Carmichael, because he's obviously going to come back. Yeah. Uh, Tim Farron and Julian Hopper all living together in a house, a bit like the goodies, really, a sort of Lib Dem version of the goodies. Yeah. Um, but uh, Simon Hughes, you could throw Simon Hughes into that. You couldn't have Simon Hughes and Julian Hopper, because that would be a really boring sitcom. Yeah, that would be that, one or the other. That would be kind of like the young ones <laughs> where everyone was Mike. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, you know, I have any great personal insight into Simon Hughes' constituents. I believe that the, the previous Labour uh, incumbent had a, a decent um, local reputation, but Simon Hughes has, uh, I understand, worked very, very hard over the past two years. I mean, Coyle's obviously been, Neil Coyle is current MP, he's been very vocal about... Uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn's reported him to the police or something, hasn't he? For, for calling, being rude to him. It, I um, think it was to the chief whip. I don't think it's illegal yet to be rude uh, to Jeremy Corbyn. It might, it might be after the election. <laughs> the Labour police. Um, but I've also heard things about Neil Coyle. It's just uh, he's got uh, a character, shall we say. And of course, he's got a taxi. Simon Hughes has got a taxi. Do you know that? Simon Hughes has got yeah, a taxi. I'm, a big yellow taxi. I've heard, Did you know? I've heard whispers of it. Yeah, he's got yeah. He also turns up late for a lot of things, apparently. He, tur- he turns up late for absolutely oh my everything. God, he's boring, isn't he? He's, he's, he's a windbag and a half. Uh, I mean, he's not a bad man. That doesn't make him a bad person. Do you know what he's always late for? He's always playing squash. That's my little bit of insight. Is he? Yeah. If you, wow. if you find that he's late, it'll usually involve playing of squash. How easy. He sounds quite interesting. He's got a taxi, he plays squash, he's got better things to do, so he's always late. But yeah. he's not very interesting, is he? Um, you know, the Liberals and the Liberal Democrats um, have traditionally been blessed, I think, with good leaders. They've punched above their weight. They've had impressive people yes. there. Yes, David true. Steele, Paddy yeah. Ashdown. Uh, the one that killed dogs. Uh, the, that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> Charlie Kennedy in his, in his own way, in his own way. And, uh, and they came these were big figures. I don't think, and that's really helped them, even though they were a small party and they had something yeah. they could put up and people would look at them and say, I like him actually, I like him. It's a pity that he hasn't got the chance of winning. It doesn't really work with Tim. Clegg's on the comeback trail. Clegg's is on the comeback trail, but he's only the shadow Europe minister. I, I think that they have a problem, they don't have a charismatic, impressive leader, which they have in the past. I, I do wonder if they had um, if they had Clegg in charge. I'm not sure if I mean the current Clegg or Clegg unsullied by coalition. Yeah, I, I, gen- I genuinely am not sure um, that they'd be potentially making a, a much bigger impact. Um, I think the thing about Farron, is, I can't remember he said this to me in the past, that people who hear him on the radio find him incredibly impressive. Um, people who see him on TV less so. There's also a noble tradition in this country of Timism. People are racist against people called Tim. Really? Well, there was... Henman? He's, he's quite popular. Exactly. I mean, quite Tim. Exactly. <laughs> There's Tim, obviously, the comedy wizard in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, he's got a funny name. He's called Tim. Uh, Timmy in Sorry, Ronnie Corbett's awful sitcom vehicle. There's not really any impressive Tims, Tim, is Tim, Tim in the office, but he, he yeah, was a bit of a one. Yeah, he's he's a classic underdog. See, if you want a comedy character, you call them Tim. Shimmy Mallon. And important for, say, you raised about um, being impressive on the radio, but not so good on the telly. That's something Tim Farron has in common with Richard Nixon. Of course, yeah. The uh, the famous debate that people who heard him on the radio thought he'd won because he wasn't he wasn't sweating profusely. Well, yep. I'll be uh, putting that out tomorrow as a tweet. What has Tim Farron got in contact with? In, 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 uh, in common with the uh, Jim Dixon?
talking of debates, let's go on to the other big debate, which I know you're all glued to. Sunday night, what shall I do? I know, I'll look for BBC One Scotland on my free view or free sat TV guide mm. and watch the Scottish leaders' debate. Well, if I hear the SNP talking, they make it sound as if there is literally only one party in Scotland. Well, there's not, there's lots. And they all had a big debate. And uh, it was mainly notable because a nurse... I mean, this did break through to the national news. Yes, it did. News. This nurse harangued Nicola Sturgeon because she said she had to go to a food bank because she wasn't getting paid enough and obviously nurses' wages are devolved so there is a question about why they were discussing this when there's a Westminster election on and the SNP spin team started putting it about that this nurse was married to a Tory councillor. Now what this had to do with whether she went to a food bank or not, I'm not quite sure um, but mainly it wasn't true which led the unionists Twitter RT to go off on one about how the SNP monster anybody who dares disagree with them. Well, it seems that they do. I mean, every week just about on BBC Question Time, you get a nurse or a teacher who complains about something, slagging off normally the Tories. Yeah. Imagine if the, the Tories all started digging into this person's private life and saying nasty things about them. They'd be pilloried from across the country. I mean, people wouldn't stop calling them a bunch of, I can't even say the word but they would be condemned for behaving this way it's no better if the SNP does it it's just despicable can you not say the word because like you physically can't say really bad swear words or you're just holding it off I'm, hold, it I'm, I'm holding it back well, good, I'm pleased to hear that maybe you had some condition where you, you just couldn't say really bad swear words because you had been forced to eat soap as a child or something and it brought back bad memories um, nothing as interesting as that sadly um, yeah, I, I, I didn't see the debate um, on Sunday night but oddly enough um, I I just got back from Scotland actually on Sunday. Uh, late at night, um, Gold was showing the episode of the thick of it, which I think very similar happened, <laughs> where yes. the, the, the the wife of the guy who'd been killed in a health and safety uh, accident was taken along to uh, the conference, yes. said something that didn't go down too well, so they searched her Twitter to find something that she'd said which could be construed as racist in the past and leaked it to a blogger, which is pretty much exactly what's happened here several years on. Come on, the thick of it is basically a documentary. I mean, it genuinely is. It is amazing though that that was so many years ago and still the SNP, who, for those who are south of the border, see to be quite sure-handed, have have done something so phenomenally amateurish. Yeah, well, it feeds into this narrative which certain people are trying to push, which is that, um, you know, peak SNP has passed and they are um, on the wane. I'm not convinced by it. They're about to win a barrel load of seats in the election. I mean, their manifesto launch has been delayed. It doesn't really matter because nobody in Scotland votes for them is going to look at their manifesto and they're going to vote for them because they are a strong voice for Scotland. And that is all they're interested in. Um, I'll tell you who did quite well in the Scottish debate, actually, um, was Kezia Dugdale, leader of the Scottish Labour Party. Um, watch out. Now, I, I can't guarantee it, but I'm going to write a column about her Scottish Labour's on the way back. Um, I think they might be. Um, and also on the way back, possibly, is the Labour Party. They're going to win the election. Are they? It's been a surge. It's been one poll in the Sunday Times. I mean, not that the Sunday Times has uh, you know, a perfect record on this, but they did obviously run one poll before the Scottish Independence referendum claiming that, no, yes, we're going to win, and that was utter cobblers. Um, but, you know, it's in the Sunday Times, it's one poll, let's put it on the front. Um, well, this is going to be, um, and I don't want to dwell too much on um, what's happened in recent days, but this is potentially going to be the get-out clause, isn't it? Uh, for the last year, people have been talking about how high they were in the polls before the hashtag chicken coup. Um, I think we could get a Falklands type thing if if Corbyn goes down by 
nine, ten, ten points that, well, prior to what happened, we, we I, I'm not saying this is going to happen, I'm saying this is a, a possible scenario that we could see, that we, it will be it will be referred to that there was a poll just before this uh, horrendous event that showed that Labour were coming back and it kind of took all of the, the wind out of their sails. Well, I, I, hope that, I hope that isn't the scenario. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. I mean, two things there. One is, um, I still think when Corbyn gets hammered, as he will, most sensible observers will still realise it's because he was rubbish. Yeah, not even so much that his policies are rubbish, but, yeah, but it's rubbish. not sensible observers that have the vote in the leadership I don't think enough will do so to, to, for the party to get its act together. But Or, the other option, of course, is that the surge in the polls was because people are listening to him, they like him, they like his policies, and no matter what's happened this week elsewhere, it will remain, and he is, you know, he's on the march. You know, I think the surge in the polls was because um, the Tories' manifesto was handled in a phenomenally cat-handed manner. Really? I, I think it wasn't just the Tories going down, although they were. Labour were on the up, so people were. I think according to the poll, the poll, yeah, were switching. Is is that no? Not because a lot of people um, will will switch to the the only realistic alternative. Well, but then even if they're I mean, it depends on it depends on the it depends on the weight of the poll, obviously. But, I mean, it, it's progress. I mean, to go from fourteen points down to nine points down, it's obviously. Yeah. And to go from you know they are laughable what a waste of time to well actually the Tories aren't that good. Maybe I'll give him a shot. Mm. Huge progress. But as you say, a question of whether it will be sustained when the polls come out this weekend. Yeah, and I think mean, there was a point in um, eighty-seven when Kinnock pulled it back to four points, and that by all accounts, called panic stations at Conservative HQ. So, I don't know, it, it, it might be an outlier. I don't know. Or he's going to win. He's not going to win. <laughs> but, well, I mean, a, a lot of Conservatives were saying at the start of this campaign that they were surprised at how incredibly popular Theresa May was. Yeah. She yeah. was a real vote winner. Now, I find it very easy to believe. And I, I don't think Theresa May is a terrible Prime Minister. I find it very easy to believe that the more people see of Theresa May, the more the shine comes off and the less impressive she seems, frankly. Um, in terms of Jeremy Corbyn, I'm sure people sort of like him the more than they see him, but they're not going to be convinced that he's the right person to be Prime Minister. And we're still t- when you talk about a Labour surge, we're talking about Labour being only, so to speak, sort of seven or eight points behind in one or two polls. And that seems like it's not quite such a disaster because previously polls had them as far as I think even 20 points behind, um, which was just incredible. They, you know, got time. They're closing the gap. They're closing the gap. They've still got a couple of weeks to get closer and closer. There is a theory that the polls are wrong in Labour's favour for once because people are overcompensating for always getting the poll. Well, sorry, they're always, the polls have always been wrong in Labour's favour in the sense that their support has been overestimated and maybe people have now got the other way. So actually, Labour have got another two or three points there. They're closing the gap. You can get good odds. I think it's still something like 16 to 1 you can get on Labour forming the next government, and I would say don't waste your money. There's no no chance whatsoever. The the danger for Labour is a lot of Corbyn supporters are saying. if you can get the same share of the vote, and they focus on the share of the vote, because I think people realise that yeah. Labour's going to lose seats. But they say, if he can get the same share of the vote as Ed Miliband did, then that will prove that he's not a vote loser, he's not the disaster people said he was, and therefore he should stay. But I think we should remember that when he was elected leader, people were saying all sorts of things, that he would motivate young voters who didn't vote before, people who were disillusioned with politics in general and just don't vote. 
all these non-voters would start voting and these massive crowds that were appearing at his rallies would translate into Labour votes. Nothing like that is coming remotely true. There's no sign of that coming true. Really? I think there's thing that we we tend to overthink politics a bit. It's actually quite quite a simple game. For Labour to win this election, all they have to do is persuade enough people who voted Conservative two years ago under Ed Miliband yeah. to vote for Labour this time under Jeremy Corbyn. That's all they have to do. And and yet I know people talk a lot about reaching out to non-voters, but the thing about non-voters is they don't vote. Well. I think you're right. However, I think what you're saying, John, about gaining new supporters, Corbyn might be gaining new supporters. It might be people who were disenchanted, who didn't vote, young people who are going to turn out to vote for it. It's just that all the other people who voted for Ed Miliband last time have all run off to the Tories. So he'll be left with this rump of new supporters, but unable to keep any of the old supporters, or you know, enough of the old supporters, let alone win new supporters. I get, the, I get the impression that a lot of his new supporters are not people who were not involved in politics. They're actually people who were involved in politics for other parties. I was speaking to um, a Labour politician, who um, I won't name, who... Um, was telling me about Corbyn's rally in Birmingham on Saturday Um, and they went along to this and um, they said that I mean whether they quite meant this literally I don't know he would have been attacked Um, these people they were there there were lots of them they were cheering they weren't actually Labour Party supporters half of them were sort of selling newspapers for other parties as in these small you know socialist what's his name parties yeah okay um yeah, Corbyn's not going to win. Why are we even, <laughs> are we even talking about it? Um, and is he going to stay after the election? After he's got the yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Oh, yeah. No. He will. You no. don't. I think you, you don't understand, James. It's not about winning this election. He doesn't want to be prime minister. It's about building a movement. No, but they'll they'll see sense. I, will they'll, they? They'll realise that. They, they had. The they had. They had the chance to see sense in the second leadership election. Yeah, but. That was too soon, and the, op- the the alternative was rubbish. I mean, old. old well, who's who's the alternative going to be this time? Who's he's so much of a exciting, vibrant figure that they're going to do what 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 Andy Burnham and Yvette Cooper and Owen Smith and Andy Burnham. I mean, again, we've seen this week. Unfortunately, Andy Burnham is not you know, impressed massively. Um, it's Jess Phillips, isn't it? I'd love to see that. What's funny about The goal of Corbyn supporters is to create what they see as a proper socialist party. So the most important element of that is not winning a general election, it's stopping a so-called what they think of as a Blairite or anybody really who's opposed Corbyn becoming leader. Well, I mean, we have discussed this before. I mean, that, I suppose that's one of the things about this campaign is that we, the themes are not actually changing that much, are they? We're, we're still talking about Labour losing and what happens to Corbyn. We're talking about, certainly since the very beginning, it's now been Lib Dems going down the pan and the Tories winning despite themselves, really. The sort of themes of this election, fair to say. I should just say though, Jess Phillips would be a great Labour leader. I don't think she's going to get the job, but I don't she think would she be would. fantastic. I think she'd be a great deputy leader. And I know she doesn't like that because she goes, "Well, I'm going to leave because I, I can do whatever I like." Mm. But um, and you know, heaven knows I love Jess Phillips. Not like that, but um, I'm not sure she's leadership material yet. I I think um, if they were seriously looking to win an election that Jess Phillips would scare too many people well yeah you might I can't I can't Angela Rayner 
I, well, we spoke about this. Uh, She's been impressed, but previously. Previously. Yeah. Yeah. She's impressed more and more. I, I just. I don't think either of them, and I'm struggling to see anyone currently around the late bike who's got that ability to win over Chuka. the small C, possibly small C um, Middle England. It's Chuka. Yeah. I'm increasingly. He, I think he, he. People that see yeah. Chuka are increasingly sending me messages going. You're right, you're right, Chuka's quite good, because I've been a Chuka cheerleader for some time, so he's actually better than people think. People think he's a smoothie, but actually there is substance there. I've not heard a great deal from of recent times. I wonder if he spent his time away from the front line of politics to do some serious thinking. It'd be very yeah, interesting to hear what he's got to say. And I think he's doing decent stuff behind the scenes. You know, he's doing the legwork for this election rather than being up front because you know obviously yeah, these are people are going no any other Corbyn operation but he's, I think he'll do good to be you know on the front line rather than punting around on the media um, we shall see that's for uh, for a couple of weeks that one let's finish up with this week's stupid guy of the week can be a woman but the uh, the jingle just happens to be he's a stupid guy Anybody got, uh, got a nomination? Well, I'm, I'm going to nominate um, the managers at LBC. I don't know their names. Ooh, good LBC, choice. the London radio station. And I'm thinking of um, the fact that they employ uh, Katie Hopkins, the yes. former apprentice candidate. I like Johnny Apprentice. I thought she was a lot of fun. He basically has made a career out of being horrible. Yes. Um, and the latest one was tweeting that we need a, a final solution to deal yeah. with the... Uh, um, what she sees is as, as a problem with um, Muslims. Um, she may have done it by accident in this case, but of course it's a phrase associated with an artist. She's employed by LBC, and I take the view that it's, it's no use blaming her, because if you're going to turn someone into a celebrity and pay them for being disgusting, then that's what you get. But I don't think people should pay her for, for doing it. And she has a, a radio show or some sort of radio spot on LBC. Indeed. Good nomination, yes. Uh, it's going to have to be Paul Nuttall, isn't it, for Natalie Gage, yeah. as nobody's calling it. Um, um, I, I, I would love to know what um, Leanne Wood's uh, behind-the-scenes reaction to that is. I, I, uh, I, I know, I know Leanne would go back some time from my time covering Welsh politics. She is a feisty character. Um, I think she handled it quite well from what I've seen of it on the stage. Um, she, she is completely um, surpassed all my expectations because she was a very surprising, um, very surprising win. In fact, the day that she was elected Plaid leader, I very confidently on Good Morning Wales predicted that she wouldn't... Uh, she wouldn't take the, the leadership because she was quite a, uh, quite a fringe figure. Yeah. Um, and to have gone from being the um, trouble causing, in, in fact, hey, <laughs> this is a link to what we've, we've yeah. been talking about, to, to have made such a successful transition from a trouble causing backbencher to yeah. quite a respected leader is, is quite something. Um, but yeah, to go back to Stupid Person of the Week. I honestly can't think of anything more elementary than remembering the names of the other people that you're going up against <laughs> in the debate. I mean, that is absolute debating class one, minute yeah. one, isn't it? Unless, of course, you think all women are basically the same, and so you just call them all naturally. I mean, I'm not suggesting people in UKIP have that opinion, but let's face it. They're not uh, a party with a great reputation for no, the way indeed. that women are dealt with. I mean, they have had a female lead. Well, they've had two. I think one was for 18 days and one was for two. 
Um, they're James for 18 days. Yeah. Um, wasn't Suzanne Evans there for two days when Farage stepped down and then decided he hadn't stepped down? Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah. So she was never elected, um, but she was actually officially their, their leader. So, I mean, they have had two leaders, but it does come to a total of 20 days. Um, so, yeah, he is um, my stupid guy. It may be that Paul Nottles was just a bit bored and he was thinking about um, Natalie Wood. I mean, you know, you might if you're a bit bored. Natalie Wood in the Great Race. Who's seen the Great Race? Oh, that's a film you've got to see, man. You've got to see the Great Race. Natalie Wood, Jack Lemon. Um, oh, what's his name? Tony Curtis. Is it about a race? They have a big race around the world. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, Natalie Wood gets involved as a sort of she's a suffragette of sorts and she ends up they have a massive custard pie fight and she for some reason is in her underwear not quite sure how that fits in with her suffragism (laughs) but um, I mean it's a good film I suppose it's possible he was thinking about that (laughs) it would be very very odd indeed I don't know who, who I would nominate. Um, I've got Joanne Cherry and I don't know if she's Jean or Jean Freeman, who are the uh, SNP spin team and MP and MSP at that debate, who were alleged to have been putting it around this um, smearing this nurse. Um, you know about this nurse. The SNP apologised, but they apologised for getting it wrong and saying her husband was a Tory when he isn't. Yeah. They didn't apologise for doing it in the first place. They seem to think that if he had been a Tory, that would have been okay. I clashed with Jean Freeman when she was a commentator ahead of the referendum. We did um, a newspaper review on the BBC together when she was down the line in Glasgow. And she said, I was sort of talking about some of the stuff that was obviously being thrown around, about currency and the economy and stuff. And she went, oh, it's all scaremongering. I was like, well, the trouble is, it doesn't make it mean it's not true just because it's, you, know, you call it scaremongering. It doesn't mean it's not actually going to happen. If you say to people, if you vote for independence, terrible things will happen. It doesn't mean the terrible things won't happen. You know, maybe it's going to be scary if you vote for independence. Um, so yeah, I've, I've done a bit of a thing with her ever since. Um, I've also written down Lord Buckethead, who's not really. Uh, well, he is a stupid guy because it's a person who pretends to have a bucket for a head. <laughs> but um, I have been speaking to him this week, and uh, he's been entertaining me with his tales of flying around the galaxy and uh, claims that because uh, there's too many, picked up lots of intergalactic messages about a lack of proper opposition so he flew back to Britain to the uh, very important point of Maidenhead to uh, challenge Theresa May at the election Um, but he does say his his main aim is not galactic takeover but just to beat UKIP Um, I was quite impressed by that Um, but I think it has to be Paul Nuttall this week really doesn't it, I think he's the clear winner we've had three weeks and we've had three guys even though stupid guy is just for effect but um, maybe that tells you something Um, okay listen next week uh, I don't know what's going to happen next week I might do a podcast in Scotland, it might be one with my children, it might feature an MSP, you know, I'll tweet Nicola Sturgeon to see if she's around, we'll find out, um, and then uh, there might be time, even time for another one before the election. But for now, I will say thank you to Matt Withers and to John Walker, and uh, we may well meet again before the election, you never know. Uh, if you want to get in touch to discuss anything in this podcast, I am politicalyeti at gmail.com or at politicalyeti on Twitter, or go to my website, James dash miller.com and um, yeah keep your eyes peeled for the next podcast whatever and whenever that might be thank you